Welcome to the She He We Awakening podcast. We are a wife and husband therapy team whose professional and personal lives are centered on psychology and spirituality. We love sharing what we've learned on our journey of becoming conscious through relationship, and we invite you to get to know us and hopefully hear in our stories something that can support you in your life too. Okay, here we are again. Hello, my love. We meet again. We meet again. (laughs) So today we're going to talk about projection. Mm -hmm. And how it's very natural. Yes. I know that's the point that, or one of the points that you and I really wanted to emphasize is um, like many psychology terms that become kind of pop psychology, um, the term is used technically correctly, but kind of takes on sort of a flavor or connotation of wrongness or badness. Um, in particular, uh, in relationship, of course, which is what we're centered on um, with these chats. Mm-hmm. Yep. So people will say, well, you're just projecting. Right. And that's supposed mm-hmm. to mean um, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> yeah. Or you don't, you're not in right, you're not in a reality. You're not seeing things clearly, which is right. probably accurate. However, yep. it's a way for people to be defensive. Right. And so there's, there's a technical truth to that, but um, there's also uh, an incorrect implication, which is that um, you shouldn't ever be projecting or projecting is always a problem. Mm-hmm. And um, as you started out by saying projection is, is natural, um, I think I would also say that projection is fundamental. And this will make more sense, of course, when we get into the explanations. But by fundamental, I mean um, fundamental to our experience of the world. Um, it is, in fact, the mechanism through which we experience the world mm-hmm. and through which we experience relationship. Mm-hmm. So, um, Shall I go into just explaining a little bit about projection? Do your movie theater projector. Well, before I I give that metaphor, um, I I think it's just worth mentioning a a few things. Um, The term projection uh, comes up a lot in depth psychology, uh, Jungian psychology. And um, in that context, um, it's thought to be uh, an unconscious process by definition, mm-hmm. okay? Which uh, again, technically is, is accurate. That is, that is true. Um, and the point of most of what Jungian psychology is pointing towards um, is illustrated in a, a famous quote of his, which is actually a bit of a misquote, but we'll just go with it. Um, And the quote is that um, we're supposed to be making the unconscious conscious. Um, The the full quote is actually, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will control your life and you'll call it destiny. Okay. And so the the point of of, um, 
depth psychology, exploring uh, our inner being, uh, so-called shadow work, which you told me has become a trending hashtag on mm-hmm. one some social, social media. media platform yeah. or another. Yeah. yeah. Um, the point of all of that is to begin bringing the contents of our own unconscious being up into consciousness, i.e. awareness, um, shining light into the darkness. Okay. And so, um, so with, with respect to projection, it, it isn't so much that projection stops happening, it's that we become conscious about it. And we use our consciousness uh, of what is being projected to in turn explore what is happening in our own psyches. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, that preface, uh, the point of that for me is um, to, to keep people from making the mistake early on here of thinking that uh, you will stop projecting that that doesn't that's that's not really the point the point is to stop unconsciously projecting um Mm -hmm. in particular to stop unconsciously projecting your own your most unhealed unconscious stuff Mm -hmm. that's that's the goal of this so okay so what does it mean to project um so the metaphor that that i've used in the past and i'm sure did not originate with me, but I don't recall seeing it anywhere else. So um, until somebody comes forward, I'll just take the credit for now. Um, Is that of uh, a movie theater projector. Um, And you can think of uh, your own experience in life as being the experience of the moviegoer. And in the same way that a moviegoer enters the theater, i.e. the world, and begins to have an experience, i.e. the movie, right? Um, the, the, so in this analogy, the, the, the world, the physical world and our experience in it is analogous to a person sitting in the theater and watching a movie on the screen. And the movie is what you call your life. You're having a, a first person experience of some story unfolding, the story of your life, okay? And when we don't know the mechanics of the psyche, we don't know that projection is a thing. If we get upset with something happening in the story, we, we go out into the story and try to fix it out there, yeah. which, which would be something like being in the movie theater and not liking the movie and going up to the screen and scratching at the screen or drawing, trying to draw a different picture on the screen or trying to interfere with the movie or change the story out there up on the movie screen, which we know is not how it works. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, we would say that somebody attempting to do that for those of us who understand how a movie screen and a movie theater works, we would potentially call that person crazy (laughs) if they didn't grasp that. Right. Mm -hmm. So in the same way um, that the 
the action on the screen is the result of of the projector throwing that story from behind out onto a surface that's true of our experience in the world okay and and so the the movie itself our life experience as it unfolds um actually begins in our own unconscious it begins um it, it, it's it's not living it, it seems to be living out there in front of us but it's, its origin is actually behind us on on this role of film and that role of film would be your personal unconscious mm -hmm. okay. um so as it pertains to relationship um as long as you are still living in duality as long as you're kind of anything short of enlightened, then the reality of what you're experiencing is more akin to uh, the movie theater analogy. Mm -hmm. And so you have your partner across from you who seems to be doing what they're doing, but your experience of that is dependent upon uh, your own unconscious being your own psyche and so in the same way that it would be crazy to go up to the movie screen and try to manipulate the story from there it, it's just as crazy to um, be having certain experiences in your life and think that you're going to change something out there without starting in here mm -hmm. right so in the again in the analogy the answer is if you don't like what's going on, you go, you go up into the projector room. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, which again, that room would be more like your own unconscious being and, and you, you, you learn what's in that room and you explore the actual mechanics of the projector and you look around in your own unconscious and go, Oh, this is actually only one of an infinite number of films available mm -hmm. to me. And I'm sick of this one. This is this same horror movie that I've seen over and over. <laughs> and I know where it's going and I know how it ends. Um, and I want to have a different experience. So I'm going to take this film off the roll and put a different film on and now have a different experience. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's not a perfect analogy, but, but it begins to... Um, I think help people have an understanding of um, the language first and foremost, because we're going to talk more about projection. We're going to talk about withdrawing projection. Mm -hmm. and if, you, and if we don't know what projection is, then talking about withdrawing projection is meaningless. And, and withdrawing projection is one of the most, I think, essential features in a healthy relationship, a willingness to do that mm -hmm. with, from the part of both individuals involved. Yep, I agree. Okay. Um, so I, I guess just to, to sort of back up again and, and reemphasize, when, when we're talking about in relationship, um, withdrawing projection or, or quote, not projecting, again, we don't have the option short of being fully enlightened, we don't have the option of not being a moviegoer. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That's the nature of the world. It's the nature of, of, of duality, of physical existence. So, so the goal isn't to, quote, not project. The goal is to become conscious of what's being projected, to recognize the mechanics of projection, and to begin to um, take your power back, withdrawing projection. Again, we'll talk more about that in a minute, but withdrawing projection, which, which means going up into the projector room and, and, and doing what you can from that position to alter the life experience. That's, that's what we're talking about when we mm-hmm. say, um, quote, stop, or when somebody else says, quote, stop projecting, or the better language that we'll be using is withdrawing projection. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then I wanna offer the other metaphor. Is it a metaphor? Analogy? Um, uh, it's more of an analogy, than, <laughs> <laughs> I think. Um, so another thing that we will often explain to people is uh, going through life, um, it's like when we're born, we have we're given this pair of glasses and they already have some stuff on them. Some uh, smudges, smudges, dirt, um, which consists of beliefs about what it is to be, you know, a girl or a boy or human things that we've inherited from our parents uh, in our DNA, even Um, Hindus call that uh, physiological karma. Um, and then as we, as we grow older, we kind of pile on more and more of this conditioning, this uh, dirt onto our glasses. And so we were seeing the, the world through these different beliefs, fears, traumas, and conditioning that we've, we've received over time or that we've kind of bought into. And uh, the whole, and of course, everyone else in the world also has their own glasses on that are dirty with various things. And part of the healing process and the uh, awakening process is to become aware that there's something on your glasses, that you're seeing the world in a way that may not be true. Like you first have to be open to maybe the way I'm seeing things isn't accurate or isn't the highest reality and then you can through various strategies that we'll talk about later begin to clean the lens of the glasses so that you can see the world more and more clearly and in new and different ways so the the projector the glasses yeah and work well they they do and and so you know, the, the sort of common factor here in both analogies is light and the function mm-hmm. of light. And so when we talk about light, you know, light is a metaphor for uh, consciousness, awareness. Okay. And so in both of these examples, and let's take the glasses example, um, there's, there's the truth, which would be the raw naked reality of the world. And through light, when, when you, you turn your consciousness to the world, there's an interplay of, of awareness, consciousness between the world and your eyes, right? Mm-hmm. Your perception, right? And in between there, 
is this lens that has artifact smudge, right? And, yeah. and as, as light is reflected off the world and comes into your eye, right? Whatever artifact is on that or smudge is on the glasses is going to cast a, a shadow into onto the retina. Mm -hmm. and, and because of that shadow, there's now a, a, a space in your perception that has a shape and looks like a certain something. And, and you're going you're gonna to think that that's what you're perceiving out in the world mm -hmm. when, when it's not true. Mm -hmm. um, to me, with, with your particular analogy, which I love, um, color has always come to mind as a really simple example. Um, I mean, if you have, if your glasses through, again, as you said, old trauma, you know, inherited patterning, et cetera, mm -hmm. has created sort of a, a yellowish tinge, a dinginess to the glasses, then you're going you're gonna to look at the sky and insist that the reality of the sky is a, is a kind of greenish quality. Mm -hmm. And you will be wrong. Right. The reality yes. of the reality of the sky is is of is a blueness. I'm talking about your average daytime sky, of course. Sure. Yeah. A, and it's agreed a, upon reality. It's it's the shared reality, yes. Mm -hmm. Um collectively. And and so there's the blue sky and your yellowish tinged glasses that by the time that makes its way into your perceptive processing field the combination of yellow and blue looks like green. Right. And so we're doing that all the time in relationship. We're doing that all the time in the world. We're misperceiving all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. um, but I wanted to bring that up because it introduces um, the term shadow. Mm -hmm. um, is this a good time to go into yeah, that? Do go we... for it. Okay. I think we want to talk about all the Throw terms. it all out there. Yeah, we want to get yep. the terms out there. Um, so again, in, in your analogy, the one that you use, the, the shadow is the result of light meeting an obstruction, which, which then causes the perception to be different than the reality, okay? Um, and so when, we, when we're talking about, uh, and, and by the way, um, it works just as well in the movie theater analogy. If, if somebody has, um, contaminated the film strip, put a bunch of fingerprints on it. Mm -hmm. Well, then as that film runs through and is projected onto the screen, you're not just going to see the movie as it was intended. You're going to see the movie with all of the thumbprint smudges on it. Distortion, okay. essentially. It's good. It will be just, your experience will be distorted. Um, <clears throat> and, and so the, the point of, of, again, knowing the mechanics, knowing what projection is, the fact that it's happening, having these two sort of analogies um, to help wrap your brain around it, and knowing this term shadow is, is to, to give us um, a path towards exploring the contents of our own unconscious um, artifact, smudge, smudginess, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and giving us the power to do something about that. 
right? Yeah. And so um, when we talk about sh doing shadow work, shadow exploration, um, <clears throat> what it means is, is, is having a willingness to recognize where your perception has been distorted and, and how do you how do you do that how do you know what's influencing you how do you know um what the nature of the smudge wound trauma misperception is mm -hmm. you do quote shadow work you you map out the shadow right and and so in in the movie theater analogy if um, you know, if, if, if every other scene has uh, a, the same fingerprint smudge, then the shadow work is to, is, to, is to not only just pay attention to the story as, as you sort of have reflexively done your whole life, but to sort of pull your vision, your awareness back, open it up a bit, and go, okay, wait a minute. There's, there was an action scene and then there was a love scene and then there was a sad part and then there was a happy part. Mm -hmm. Except in all of those scenes, there's this other thing. <laughs> there's this smudge that I didn't even notice before. I didn't even notice was a smudge. I just thought it was part of the movie. Right. But now that I've sort of pulled back and had an intention to look deeper, I, I recognize that no matter what story seems to be playing, no matter what piece of the story seems to be there, there's this other thing that's just sort of inevitably there with it. Um, maybe that maybe that's not part of the movie. <laughs> maybe yeah. maybe that's an artifact. Maybe that's a smudge. Mm -hmm. um, maybe there's something I can do about that. Right. Um, and so in the analogy, it's, it would be easy. You would go into the projector room and you would look at the, at the negative, right. And you would go, oh yeah. And you would clean it off and put it back on and, and then go, great. Um, that, that would be what withdrawing the projection is like and doing your shadow work. Mm -hmm. So you know, what might that look like in relationship? Are you asking me literally? Or? I, I am literally asking you. <laughs> Here I am in the flesh, literally well, asking you. I mean, I can tell you what it looked like for me. Great. Um, doing my shadow work looked like anytime I felt a sense of conflict or unease in the relationship, I would examine my thoughts and try to understand from those thoughts uh how was i seeing you what what kind of um role was i placing you in um what kind of expectations did i have of you that i maybe i wasn't communicating clearly um <clears throat> So I had to go into my thoughts most, and, and also my emotional body, <clears throat> excuse me. I needed to, to explore, okay, when this experience happens, um, I feel some kind of sensation in my body. 
which is, you know, part of my shadow because I don't have a name for it yet. Um, and then I think about, okay, what is this sensation? Is this anxiety? Is this fear? Is this guilt? Is this shame? And then you begin to just um, perceive the shadow. You start to like, like, I think you talked about the uh, elephant analogy where there's three people mm. in a room mm -hmm. and they're feeling the elephant from different perspectives mm -hmm. while literally doing that within myself. So, you know, you and I have a disagreement, let's say about the kids, you have a reaction or a response. I have a reaction as well. And so I'm going to sit with my reaction and begin to feel around the room. What was my emotional response to this? What was my mental response to this? How did I want to react? Maybe I wanted to scream and yell. What does that mean? Why did I want to scream and yell? We start to think about these things. That's making it conscious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And exploring, I think the feeling quality of it and, and being willing to again, take that kind of step back and say, okay, that feeling seems to be showing up really powerfully here. And I want to assign its origin to my partner. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but if I'm, if I'm honest, if I, if I expand my perceptive field mm -hmm. um, and track what I'm perceiving over all of the different scenes of the movie of my life, mm -hmm. I recognize that, Oh no, that particular flavor of feeling tone or energy has actually been pervasive throughout my life. Mm -hmm. So it, it can't be originating in my partner. It can't be my partner's fault right. <laughs> as much as I would like it to be. <laughs> sure. Right. Um, so that's, yeah, that's, that's an example of exploring uh, the shadow. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so um, uh, when I kind of, come back to talking about the mechanics of this for a little bit, because I think there's another piece of the, the movie theater analogy in particular mm -hmm. that, that works really well. Um, our shadow, we could describe as our, that negative aspect of our being. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's the things that we have, um, so again, when, when uh, psychologists talk about the, sh the shadow, so, well, what, what makes up the shadow, psychologically speaking? It's the things that have been um, too difficult for us to process or handle in the moment. Things that have been too painful to be with. Um, aspects of self that have been rejected, um, that we refuse to acknowledge, um, that, that have, have a, a, a flavor of shame about them, mm -hmm. um, fear. So any, anything that, that, that we perceive to be negative becomes the shadow. Okay. And so, so use that word negative and think about it now in the context of the movie theater analogy. Well, what is what is the source of, of of everything that gets thrown out onto the movie screen? If and if you if you actually look open up that roll of film and look at it, you're looking at a negative, mm. right? Mm -hmm. I mean that's that's how movie projection works. 
So when you when you look at the film itself, you're you're not seeing. You can't look at that and see the movie as as it's intended to be seen. When you look at that, you're seeing the movie inverted. You're seeing you're seeing a film negative. And it's because it is a film negative that by the time light is shown through it and cast and it's cast up onto the onto the screen, it becomes the movie as we experience it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So thinking about negative in that light, instead of being judgmental about it, um, the, the things in our shadow are the things that have become this, this film negative in our own psyche. And by its very nature, all of that material will be cast out into our life experience. Okay, so, um, so the point of doing shadow work isn't to um, come into conflict with these aspects of our being and our old trauma and, and hidden rejected parts of ourselves. It isn't to be in conflict. It is, it is to integrate them. Mm. It's to come to terms with them, to, to consciously work with them in a, in a loving fashion. Mm -hmm. understanding this is just how the nature works. This is just how the human psyche works. And, and this isn't something, this isn't about finding some mass within yourself to sort of carve out like a, like a tumor and, and throw away and be rid, be rid of that. That is in fact, how shadow is created. That would be just another act of rejection, creating mm -hmm. more negativity yeah. and, and causing more shadow to be um, projected out the into pain. the world, yeah. increasing the pain and increasing the experience of, of suffering in the world. So when we're talking about withdrawing projection and doing shadow work, um, it can be painful. It can be difficult. Um, there's no doubt about it. it. It takes a lot of, I think, um, fortitude, um, humility um, to to be willing and able to do this kind of work. Mm. But when we start doing that, um, we're not going in there to root out ugly, nasty parts of ourselves and carve them out and reject them. That's, that's how that, that's how those things got there in the first place. Yeah. We are, we are coming to terms with them. We are shining light on them. We are working with those things through somatic practices, active imagination, um, journaling, um, mm -hmm. All sorts therapy. of ther yeah. therapy, yeah. EMDR, CRT. Yep. All sorts of ways of, of working with them in a conscious and loving fashion. And, and integrating those things into our being in such a way that they cease to be negative. And, and when they're no longer negative, that means I, they're no longer a part of this film strip and will stop, will no longer be you know, cast out into the life experience. Mm -hmm. yeah I, I, you speak about it being brave and challenging to do the shadow work I think part of that is because we have been told that it's hard and painful to do shadow work um, I think it's a I mean my experience was that it was hard and painful but I had yeah. only been told that it was hard and painful 
Yeah, I mean, I, I hear you. Um, maybe other people have different experiences, but. Um, well, I don't know of any. I'm just I saying it's collectively <laughs> understood that it's hard yeah. and painful. But part of the reason that we're doing this podcast is to help, you know, you, we don't want to use the word normalize because that's kind of a strange math word, but to make okay this process of understanding what's in our unconscious. What's what we're not aware of, what we, what kind of conditioning we've taken on conditioning happens. It's just part of being in form. And if we have an attitude of, oh, let's see what's there. What, in what ways have I been conditioned? It, it's a possibility for the future for people. I remember moving into that phase mm-hmm. where I was less about oh my God, I'm broken. There's so much wrong with me. Look how I'm projecting everything on the world. God, how did I get so messed up? Into, I wonder what this is about. Uh, I wonder, you know, what am I seeing here? Like, what is the misunderstanding that I'm having? Yeah. And it became a positive and, and affirming process to go through the shadow work. Nothing that I feared. I didn't, I no longer feared it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm in full agreement. Mm-hmm. I, I think that is an excellent point to make. Um, that the experience of, of the net experience of doing shadow work is, is far less difficult and less painful than continuing to live life unconsciously. It's, it's a, at the, at the beginning for many people, it's, there's, there's um, an initial, difficulty or suffering that is that is different mm-hmm. than, than than what you're used to um and so you're not acclimated to that kind of suffering it's um I, I think probably the best word is humility and so the more uh anchored we are in ego um which is by its nature um hubristic um the more anchored we are in that, the more the act of looking into the shadow will be an experience of, of suffering initially mm-hmm. because there's more of this, um, you know, the egomaniacal structures uh, in place. Um, and again, that's just the nature of the ego. It's not the ego doing something naughty. Um <laughs> Well, I want to say something about the humility part because okay. people don't understand that word either. Okay. Let's explain There's a that. shadow humility that people, mm. you know, that, which means I'm a broken, messed up human. Yeah. And Ugh. therefore, <laughs> and therefore I project Yeah. like that's not humility. Yeah. Humility means I don't know what's going on. I have a fresh like I want to, to see things fresh, having the desire to be in, in the newness. Uh, I can't remember what tradition, maybe Zen calls it beginner mind, having a mm. beginner mind. Sounds Not so. I'm an expert on everything. People who say that they're experts on things, super, that's great. But if you're very rigidly, you know, egotistically, you know, attached to being an expert in something, you've made yourself a little box of limits Mm -hmm. well especially if if being an expert on yourself is is anathema to 
shadow work. <laughs> like they, yeah. that just doesn't work. They don't go In together. State, yeah. Right. Like mm -hmm. if, if you're convinced you're an expert on yourself and you know yourself, mm -hmm. then you aren't going to make any progress with shadow work. And so that's where yeah. this, that's where the real humility comes in the humility to say something is going on here. That's different than what I've always thought. And I'm, I'm willing to know the truth about it, no matter how bitter a pill that is to swallow. Right. Maybe, maybe that's a better word that we'll throw out now and I'll kind of keep in mind for future conversations. Maybe it's not so much that shadow work is difficult. It's just that it's bitter. Hmm. It can be at the, I, I think yeah. it is. I know where your mind, you, you'd like to go to the end <laughs> or, or sort of deep into the process where shadow work is just immensely rewarding. It's the experience well, of coming to know yourself yeah. and, and falling in love with yourself. It, it, it is that, but um, you know, I think for, for anybody that's new to this, um, I don't know, maybe it's just my own personality quirk. I, I sort of like to prepare people, you know, um, there's some bitter medicine that comes when you dive into shadow work. Well, my argument is what, what are we preparing people for? We create a, a reality when we do that. You will experience pain. This is more theoretical. It is I mean, more theoretical. We've all been taught that shadow work and, and therapy is painful. It was for me at first, there was a shift. I don't know, maybe moving forward, it doesn't have to be so difficult. I don't know, maybe we can change. I'm not saying sugarcoat it or tell people it's fun. I'm just saying it doesn't always have to be bitter. It can have all the flavors. It just, it's new. It's a new thing at first. At first sure. it might be strange, yep. but I think part of the, you know, the norm, how I say normalizing doing things yes. is to take stigma out of it, take preconceived notions mm. out of this work. Yeah. I mean, I, I get it. And it's a little bit of a tangent here. You and I are, you know, we're having a philosophical discussion <laughs> that that's we have different, fun. you know, uh, which is, which is fine. I mean, that's fine for people to be able to sort of see that and play itself out. Right. Um, but for me, the, 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 the reality of, of withdrawing projection, doing our shadow work, et cetera, as, as being having a difficulty or a bitterness to it, to me, um, isn't really a stigma. But I, I, I do hear what you're saying, that there's a very fine line there. Um, Nobody will do it. <laughs> that's why well, people are afraid. That's part of the reason why people are afraid. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's true. Well, around yeah. therapy. Yeah, well, you know everybody who's involved in this um, and who dives into this with us, um, you'll be able to provide us some, some feedback about what your experience is. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. Um, okay. So, so where are we here? Um, and the overarching theme is, is one of projection. We've mm -hmm. talked about the mechanics of projection. We've given a couple of analogies. Yep. We've talked about what it is that we're, that we're projecting and, mm -hmm. Again, for the context of exploring conscious relationship, learning to be in conscious relationship with your partner, yourself, others in the world, um, we want to know what it is that we're projecting. 
and and what we're projecting predominantly is our unconscious shadow. And so then the then the 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 quest, <laughs> the exploration becomes okay, well, if I continue to ex- ex- experience my shadow out in the world and I don't want to do that anymore, how do I do something about that? I have to turn around and and look and explore and outline the shape of that shadow within me so that whenever it shows up in the world, I can go, aha, there it is. <laughs> I almost fell forward again. I almost thought, oops, that's that's a part of the world. I, I was almost convinced again, but but now I know the outline of my shadow material. And so when it shows up in the world, I can now sort of disentangle it from the actual raw experience of the world. I can sort of take that shadow and or that projected shadow and withdraw the projection and say, okay, let me bring this back into where it belongs instead of rejecting it. Mm-hmm. Let me, let me own it. And once I've owned that, now if I look out here, what do I see? Right. And you're going something to see new. something new. Yeah. Something different. Um, regardless of how convincing that projected shadow can be um, convincing you that no, it is really your partner who's the problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. I always feel like this is where we do the caveat, right? You may, you may withdraw the projection. You may, you may recognize your shadow, withdraw it, do some work around it, look back out here and still go, yeah, I don't like that at all. <laughs> yeah, I'm, sure. I'm over. I'm over this story. This this doesn't work for me. It it violates my boundaries. It doesn't honor who I am as a person. It's not how I want to be in relationship. And so I'm moving on. Mm-hmm. Which is still a part of um, withdrawing the projection. Mm-hmm. You're still disentangling yourself from how that is showing up in the world. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes, often, often, or to come back to the analogies, that is the, you know, you, you go to clean the smudge off of the glasses to, to create the new experience. And you realize that, no, this experience that I'm in, the whole thing is the smudge, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? This, this person I'm in relationship with, the fact that I was willing to be in relationship with somebody who treats me this way is in fact the smudge mm-hmm. and, cl- and cleaning this smudge means getting out of this relationship yeah walking away from it yeah yeah mm-hmm. so that is a possibility i think which comes to a, maybe the next important point which is that we never know if that's true or not until we begin the process of withdrawing projection and exploring our shadow until we until we disentangle our projection yeah. and our shadow material from the world we can't tell which is which and, and we never will be able to until we've turned within and, and done this exploration. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Should we talk about um, archetypes and roles? Um, sure. Go for it. Okay. Well, one of the ways. All right. So people in our lives, they play different roles in the movie of our lives. We've got 
a mother, a father, siblings, aunts, uncles, friends, coworkers, partners, etc. And we will have a list of expectations, sometimes conscious, sometimes not conscious, of what these people are going to, how they're going to interact with us, what, how they will be in our play. So we have, you know, set ideas of what a mother is supposed to be like. Much of that comes from our conditioning. Um, you know, when we're growing up, we see our mother and we think this is a mother. This is what mothers are like. Um, we might get different information from movies. We might see, you know, some movie on television and there's an incredible mother who models like this archetypal mother. And we might start to look at our mother in that movie mother and notice the differences and create more beliefs and conclusions about who a mother is. And then of course we see other people mothering and we see ourselves mothering and there's a whole bunch of stuff, all kinds of characteristics that make up the character of mother. Um, same for father, same for partner, same, you know, there's many archetypes, including ones that are um, more uh, collective archetypes like uh, king or queen or healer or wizard or warrior. Um, so in relationships, one of the difficulties is, um, well, this is maybe a long conversation to have some other time. We can extend it out. But if we have not developed and gotten to know um, these archetypes within our own being, we are always going to be casting that out into the world and looking for those archetypes. Yes. So when we're growing up, the job of a child is to um, grow up, be taken care of by the parents, going off and leaving the home and learning how to mother and father oneself, developing an inner mother and an inner father. You know, the mother that makes sure that you, you know, are well taken care of in various ways and the father well taken care of in various ways. However, if you don't develop an inner mother and an inner father fully, you will begin to look for that in partners. And for me, that looked like, um, I chose a husband who was very much like my mother. I had not individuated from my mother, had not developed my own inner mother. And thus, unconsciously, I saw my husband when I started dating him. And I thought, this guy is great. He's kind. He's loving. He does all kinds of like acts of service for me. Um, he's very sweet. When I'm sick, he takes care of me. Um, you know, all of these things that are similar and to my mother. And then I sort of outsourced that mothering. I projected mother onto him. Other things too, but mother is just the one I'm using now. And received that, those mothering roles, those mothering activities, like through him instead of through myself. And when he didn't meet the role of mother for some reason, like, you know, he was working that day or <laughs> whatever, <laughs> um, there was a feeling of abandonment and loneliness and feeling overwhelmed. That was a really predominant feeling that I had with my own kids. When he would go off to work, he worked 24 hour shifts. And I was like, 
oh, Jesus, I guess I'm in charge here. Like it's all, it's just me. And I was of course, 100% capable and a good mother on my own, but I was still caught in the idea that there, my mother had left because I was projecting that on him. He had gone to work and I was like a, like an orphan for the day. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> so that's an example of yeah. projecting a role onto somebody that doesn't feel good to the other person. Usually sometimes it can feel good. Depends on the person's attachment to the role. Yeah. So I, I think that's a great example um, and probably a great place to center the conversation because as it pertains to becoming conscious in relationship um, and you know, hypothetically right now we're talking, um, about romantic partners, mm-hmm. right. Yep. Um, predominantly it, it also applies, but let's just take romantic partners because that will be most people mm-hmm. who are involved. And in, if, even if you're not actively in a relationship, you know, right. you, you've probably been in one, yep. um, because this is, this is certainly one of the, the most common, um, dynamics that unfolds in unconscious relationship mm-hmm. um it's a little bit different than the example you're giving but um but predominantly what you see is you have the man or the masculine identifying individual in the relationship um projecting um shadow mother stuff onto the female or more feminine partner right um and you have the female or more feminine individual in the relationship projecting their their unconscious shadow father archetype, father complex stuff onto the more masculine or more male partner. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and and so um, I'll use me as an example uh, for this particular situation because it it's pretty spot on. Um, how do I summarize a decade of (laughs) shadow work? (laughs) So, um, suffice it to say that, um, in my willingness to, uh, take on the humility to do my shadow exploration and begin, um, exploring the contents of my own unconscious, what I kept seeing showing up throughout um, the experience of my personal movie was, mm-hmm. was smudges and distortions that all had the shape of, of mother complex stuff. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not just that we don't just have one complex, but right. um, it would be an exceptionally rare individual born into this world, living a human experience who does not have a complex of the opposite gender parent, mm-hmm. be exceptionally rare. Um, remind me to come back to that because today's an interesting day to be talking about this. So, um, (laughs) so I became aware of that. Um, it's not that there weren't other complexes showing up that needed work with, but at some point in my exploration, it became clear through dream analysis, paying attention, all, all the forms of work I was doing that, oh, this mother complex thing keeps, keeps showing up. Okay. So I had outlined, I had traced out the shape of my shadow Mm -hmm. 
and, and part of the humility of doing this work is recognizing that once, once you have identified the shadow and you, to bring this back to where you've taken us, um, often the shadow will have the shape of an archetype. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's why it's nice to know the archetypes. Yeah. Um, and so I, I traced out my shadow and went, ah, it's, it's the archetype of the devouring mother. Mm-hmm. That is a, that is a negative mother complex um, that had become a part of the shadow that kept just being projected out into the world over and over. Once I had identified that within myself, I sort of named that complex. The, the humility is then to, to go, okay, <laughs> anywhere there is a convenient screen that is capable of holding this image mm-hmm. as I project it into the world, I, I would be well off to just assume that that's what's happening. Um, not, not all the time, um, but there's, there's clues to when our unconscious projection um, is really in full force. And it's usually um, strain and emotionality. Mm. It's sort of like we talked about with the um, ego conversation in a, in a previous chat. Um, and and if, if you're in relationship and something has really triggered you and you're seeing something in your partner that is just going to drive you nuts or is really inflaming or irritating, and you're sure that you're seeing what that is and you know, on and on. Um, part of the, the humility and difficulty is that in the midst of that emotionality, that intensity and the ego saying, I'm right and I know exactly what's going on here comes the act of withdrawing the projection where you take sort of within yourself an energetic like, oh, time out. I'm all riled up. <laughs> yeah. What do I know about this? I know that when I'm riled up, i.e. triggered into unconsciousness and the unconscious is coming up more powerfully than usual usual, and really being beamed out into the world. I know, this is me personally now in my case, that that takes the shape often of devouring mother complex. Mm-hmm. And I sort of know what that means. It's beyond the scope of this chat. And so <clears throat> that was how I practiced my withdrawing of projection and did my shadow work in relationship with you is that when something like that would happen and there would be intensity and energy and, and a a firmness and certainty of um, my point of view being the correct one and you being completely wrong. I, I, I just stopped and went, okay, I know by definition right now, I have to be projecting this complex onto my partner. Right. And so I, I also then therefore know that what I'm seeing, what I'm perceiving cannot be the truth. It, it is the truth with then layers of contamination and smudge and distortion laid over it. And that's what I'm reactive to. And so it's just knowing that and energetically, you know, for me, it was recognizing, okay, here it is. Um, and, you know, in our relationship, it's, I mean, it's been rare that, that that's, that sort of thing has happened, but it has often been um, as someone without kids, myself personally, 
And now I have a relationship with your kids and we have this dynamic that takes place when they come and spend a summer with us. There's, it's just all kinds of opportunity for stuff to, to come up and be seen. And so, of course, it was a wonderful opportunity as I observed you being a mother for any unconscious mother complex stuff within me to be brought to the surface. Mm-hmm. And it's just knowing that's what's happening. Um, and the only way to know that, or that I could have known that is because I had previously been willing to look in and map out and explore my own past, my own history, my own traumas, um, looking at clues in other relationships, looking at clues from uh, dream analysis that I was able to go, aha, mother complex is a big part of what is active in my own unconscious. And so now I can look for it. It's going to show up. I just have to be willing to admit that, that that's what's happening um, often when, when I least wanted to. Sure. Yeah. That's, I'm going to come back to my previous assertion. I think that's yeah. the, that's the difficulty. <laughs> Admitting I, that it's happening. I, I think the difficulty is that um, when these things show up and are sort of most ripe for the identification and, and when we have the most potent opportunity to withdraw projection and, and, do a deep piece of, of inner healing work mm-hmm. that will most often be when we least want to do that. That will be right. when the, when the ego um, is most assertive of itself. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I've had that experience. Yeah. I understand. Or maybe, maybe, you know, maybe it's just me. No, I, I know. I mean, there have been times it's not happened so much in the relationship with you, but it used to happen in therapy with your mom a lot. Mm. His mom was my therapist. Um, when she would point something out to me and I would, I'd want to draw a line of fire between myself and whatever she was saying. Yeah. There you go. Oh. Because it was just felt like it was cutting too deep into the sense of self that I had built, you know, for me. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But then I had to, you know, maybe I kept that fire blazing for a day or two, <laughs> mm-hmm. but then I would let it go out and just kind of sit with that and, and see if I could see a truth in it. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, one of my, well, this is pertinent to the conversation, I think, but one of the things that I've had to um, grow, you know, cultivate within myself is, if someone points something out to me, you know, maybe you're projecting mother or something onto me. I have to say, maybe you're right. I'll sit with that and see mm-hmm. and, and check, <laughs> do sure. my own, do my own checks to see if it's, if it's true, if it's right. true for me, if it yep. feels right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a two-way street and this is, um, you know, a a huge piece of being in a high functioning, healthy, conscious relationship is both people doing this simultaneously Mm. being, being willing to do this. It's not like it's perfect. It's not like we don't ever, you know, fall short of the hypothetical mark of, (laughs) of perfect self-awareness. But there's a, a foundational shared 
understanding and willingness to be engaged in these processes within ourselves. Um, and so to, to come back around to these archetypes, um, the easiest ones to start working with are mother and father. Mm -hmm. And just that's part of the humility of this work. If you have not done a tremendous amount of exploration and healing or, or with your childhood and your parents, in particular, the opposite gender parent, mm-hmm. uh, in particular, the opposite gender, gender parent for the majority of people who are heterosexual, right. there, there's different mechanics of how this might work um, in same gender relationships. And I'm neither homosexual nor an expert in the psychology of that. So I just, I don't talk about it for that reason, not because I'm ignoring it. Um, yeah. It's it not has my expertise a or my it experience. Shows up. It shows it's, up, but it may show up in different ways. Right. <clears throat> so when I make these generalizations, I just know that I am aware that I'm generalizing and it's not with the intention of kind of marginalizing or excluding a pretty large subset of human life experience. Right. Um, it, it's, it's just about giving people a, a working construct. Um, and then you'll have to adapt that to your specific circumstance. So um, yes. So again, speaking generally, if you haven't done a lot of that really deep exploration and healing work around your parents, particularly the opposite gender parent, mm-hmm. part of the humility piece of doing this work is to just know you are absolutely projecting unconscious shadow mother or father complex stuff onto your partner. Mm-hmm. There's just no way that's not happening. It might have different flavors for different people in different relationships, but if you just assume it's happening, um, it's a pretty safe bet. And so yeah. go ahead. Well, I agree with you, but I think my example is a good one to show how it can be different. So Mm -hmm. in my family of origin, I identified more with my father, even though I was a woman, my personality, I felt like my personality was more like him, quiet, reserved, passive, um, just not very opinionated, outwardly opinionated. Um, generally just congenial and, and not emotional, not particularly emotional. And so because of that, I'd sense of identification with the opposite gender. When I went to go project I, and meet a partner, I matched with someone who carried more of the qualities of my mother. That was almost the bigger um, perceived wound that I needed Mm -hmm. to heal was my lack of identification Mm -hmm. with the feminine. Sure. I was not very identified with the feminine. So, however, when I released that relationship and moved out of that dynamic with my ex-husband and withdrew that projection and could kind of see it all when I moved into the relationship with you, I began to project masculine archetypes onto you. So it changed as I was doing my healing. Yep. I, yeah. I wasn't so much father with you. It was more, will you please be my warrior rescuer prince? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so 
maybe yeah. that's not, I mean, that might not be common. Um, but I, you know, and typically I do see mostly when I work with men, I see they have uh, whatever unhealed stuff they have about mother is almost always projected onto their, their chosen heterosexual partner and met and women are almost always projecting. It's weird. Cause maybe this is true for both. And you, maybe you can say more about this, but um, they'll choose a partner that's similar to their parent or completely different. So it's kind of like a reverse projection. Well, yeah. So say. again, we'll go down a little bit of a rabbit hole of psychology here. Um, so bear, bear with us. We're doing it. I think. Bo- both of those are manifestations of the opposite gender parent complex. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so for example, with men, men who um, had an overbearing mother, mm-hmm. okay, will do typically one of two things that look like opposites. They will either go marry a woman who is exactly like their mother and have an overbearing, nagging wife, mm. or they will um, become... Um, promiscuous and completely non-attached to women. Mm. Both of yeah. those are manifestations of a mother complex. They're, they're right. two different ways of the psyche responding to the same stimulus. But so even though those two men might look opposite, you have one man who kind of, you know, met somebody at a very young age and they've been married for decades and he's kind of miserable and held prison, held held prisoner by an overbearing woman. Yeah. Um, I mean, the whole story is a, a cliche, right? I mean, <laughs> that. And by the way, cliches start as archetypes. That's why they're cliches, right. uh, because they're archetypal. So, so you have that that man who's just been with the one woman and has been sort of like kind of held captive by her his whole life. And mm-hmm. you have another man who refuses to be pinned down. Um, the, the quintessential sort of playboy. They, they will seem to be, if you look at them on totally opposite ends of the spectrum, completely fundamentally different. Both of their behaviors is originating from the same wound. Right. Yeah. Or the men who choose a, a woman who's just soft and passive and. Uh, yeah, that is that's right. It's not a binary choice. I shouldn't give right. that impression. Yeah. There's other ways of managing it. Um, like I don't want anyone like my mother. So let me choose someone who's. Right completely non-overbearing yes and maybe he then gets to act out his complex directly being the overbearing one (laughs) yeah maybe (laughs) maybe Maybe um yeah and so again we're just giving examples um and some of this might resonate as as Mm -hmm. you know you the not jamie you as you the viewer um are watching and listening to this um you know, see, see where some of this may resonate. Um, so those are, you know, a couple common examples. Um, if it doesn't perfectly resonate, um, that's okay. Um, it doesn't mean that you're not acting out and experiencing projected mother or father complex on your partner. Right. Um, your task becomes to sort of figure out how that's happening again trace trace the outline of um of your shadow so that you know when it shows up 
the difficulty in shadow work that I am with you. It doesn't have to be difficult. We can just That's go fine. with it. The difficulty. Um, is, is that, again, the, the best opportunity for, for you to become aware of the shape and nature of your shadow complex shadow material is, is when you're having difficulty with your partner. Mm -hmm. Right. In those times of stress, tension, um, either in acute instances of it, like a particular argument, or if there's a thread of tension that, that continues to be problematic and run through relationship, you can look at that thread and, and pull on it and hold it up to the light and find out clues um, yeah. about, about the nature of, of your particular complex. So, um, and, and so again, as, as far as it pertains to just talking about projection, this is one small piece that we're covering today. Um, what matters now is, is just that you see that that's happening and become willing to sort of energetically take that back into yourself and, mm -hmm. and recognize that, that what you're experiencing is the, the nature of your own wound. Mm -hmm. and stop making it so much about your partner and stop trying to resolve your wound by fixing your partner or insisting your partner be different. Right. Maybe that needs to happen. That comes much later. You won't know. <laughs> yeah. you, won't, you won't know if your partner is actually okay for you as he or she is until you've, you've, withdrawn the projection and taken this energy back into yourself and worked with it. And um, we've already mentioned, but say it again, that dream analysis, uh, CRT, cellular release therapy, um, talk therapy, different somatic therapeutic approaches. Um, there's EMDR. There's, there's millions of ways <laughs> to go about this. It, right. And of course, feel free to reach out to us if you need specific recommendations, but um, it's going to look like therapy, some, some form of therapeutic intervention, mm -hmm. um, most often with the assistance of a professional. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I think one of the clues you might have, if, if you find yourself saying, oh, this person's just like my mother, mm. or this person's just like my father, yeah. Yeah, that's way more than a clue. That's that's the whole <laughs> that's the whole answer. That's <laughs> X marks the spot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean this. You know the very the most common projection: mother, father, onto your partner. Um, sit down and make a list of everything that you see in your mother or see in your father: qualities, um, overbearing, um, possessive. Um, uh, emotional, rigid, rigid, nervous, like whatever, you know, do it for both. Even if you're a woman, do it for your mother and your father. Cause you might be projecting, you know, you might be an outlier and project mother onto your partner and then begin to see, you know, which my partner that I'm with right now, um, you know, what things do they have in common? What do I see or think that they have in common with my parents? And you kind of make check marks next to each one of those things. And then if you really want to have a good time, think about <laughs> previous partners 
and make a list of their qualities and see how much overlap there is. And you'll, you'll probably see a pattern like, oh, I always, I tend to choose people who are, feel a sense of shame about themselves. And that's something that comes from the dynamic with my father or whatever. And you begin to look at that and kind of piece it out and, and begin to pull back on these perceptions and see if you can see the person that you're with just as they are, because everyone's a unique individual. No one is just like our parents. That doesn't exist. We only have that distortion in our mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and not just observing the, the qualities that were present, but also observing um, what you felt was lacking or what you didn't yes. receive right. from a parent. Oh, yes. Good. Yes. Good thinking. Like uh, um, a lack of conflict, a lack of um, the ability to work through conflict. That was something that was, was mm -hmm. definitely true in my growing up years. Mm-hmm. We all tiptoed around each other. Yep. And so that lack, I took that into every dynamic that I had. And it, when, you, when you showed up, very direct, <laughs> I was like, what the hell, dude? Like, you're not playing by the script. Mm. <laughs> no, no, you don't set a boundary. <laughs> mm. I was really okay with it. But in the moment, yeah. I was like, what? Oh. Yeah. This is a totally different situation. Right. I need to withdraw my projection. Hagen's trying to come in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I need to take back this idea that he's just like my parents or he's just, this is a continuation of my family dynamic and, and recognize that this is, that's my stuff that I'm putting in mm -hmm. to the relationship. Yeah, exactly. And again, there's really common, very, very, easily identified examples mm -hmm. of this. If, if you had a parent who left when you were a child. Mm -hmm. In some way, physically or just emotionally. Yep. Or was never present. Yep. Um, and you have experiences in, you continue to have experiences of abandonment, perceived abandonment in relationships or, or maybe literal abandonment. Like mm -hmm. maybe your partner has ghosted. literally ghosted you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, um, <clears throat> that's an example of these unconscious um, shadow archetypes, complexes playing themselves out. Um, and, and the mistake is to say, oh, you know, I've just chosen, I keep choosing the wrong partner. And the mm -hmm. problem is the partner. The problem is there aren't enough good men or there aren't enough of, uh, you know, loving women in the world. That's, that's not true. Right. Um, again, that's being, being willing to withdraw that projection to sort of pull your vision back from being lost in the movie and, and take the, the more um, panoramic perspective and recognize that there's the same flavor of distortion that keeps showing up in your experience over and over. Um, that means it's originating from, from within. Mm-hmm. It's not, you don't blame yourself in that moment though. That's, yes, thank you. I think that's really, that's what people do when yeah. they enter therapy and they see, oh, I'm always with emotionally unavailable partners. Yep. It's me. I am emotionally unavailable. Right. 
maybe that's true, but also that could be, you're always looking for your father who is emotionally unavailable and you're in your partner. Right. Again, even if it is true, that doesn't make it not a wound. It's, it's an injury that needs mm-hmm. healing, not yeah. something. Right, not something to lash blaming. yourself over. <laughs> right. Wound yourself more over. Yeah. You miss anything in our list? No, I think. Um, Did we? We've hit that. Uh, um, the, no, you wanted to talk about comparing the ego to projection. Um, now, do you remember what that was going to be? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think that that was just about um, coming all the way back to the beginning of, of projection as a natural or or normal or inevitable thing that is happening mm-hmm. um and that's actually it's a good segue that means that blame is not appropriate here mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's analogous to the ego in that in that you will um you hear the ego being sort of vilified constantly um again especially in sort of modern um pop spiritual sort of meme culture um talk of the ego, you know, being annihilated or, you know, uh, taking psychedelics to bring about ego death. Um, if the ego dies, you're, you're, you are no longer in existence in this plane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the, the ego, there's a good argument actually that, yeah, there's a good <laughs> argument that, that there's actually no such thing on any plane. Um, it's it's not about ego death. It's not about annihilation of the ego. Mm-hmm. Um, that the ego, in fact, is is an integral part of the basic mechanical operation of life on Earth, just like projection is. And so, with the ego and projection here, it's it's about becoming more conscious and and no longer identifying yourself with your ego, and no longer identifying yourself with your shadow projections finding a center of self behind that being in the projector room where you are still present with the ego and still watching the movie that's being projected but you're in a place of um power Mm -hmm. and um authority with respect to the ego or projection. So we're not annihilating these things, ego and projection. Mm-hmm. We're, we're becoming more conscious of them and working with them consciously. Yeah, our, our relationship <clears throat> even changes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, okay. Well, we can barely see you now because it is 440 sunset here in better? Better? December, slightly better, yes. <laughs> um, but maybe that, uh, maybe that wraps things up. Yeah, I think that's a great beginning to this conversation. Yes. Okay. All right. Thank you, everybody, if you've made it this far. And we'll see you for the next one. Yes. Bye.